Hello, I'm Jeremy Pearsons. Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory. Today on the broadcast, my grandmother, Gloria Copeland, and her guest, Billy Brim, teach us how to walk in love through the power of the glory of God. Now, you need to know that God's love is what empowers us as the body of Christ. And the more we walk in the love of God, the greater the glory of the Lord is going to be on display in our lives. So right now, let's join Gloria Copeland as she begins today's Bible lesson and learn how the glory brings power to love. It enables you to fulfill the commandment of love in a supernatural way. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory. Billy Brim and I are just talking again about studying the Bible. That's right. We like to hear the Word of God, and that's what we're going to do today. That's kind of what we do. I mean, you know, when the camera goes off, we're still sitting here. We're studying it. We're thinking about it. That's true. My grandpa, he used to call that studying, meditate. You know, he'd say, I'm going to study on that. Study on it. That yeah. meant he's going to think about meant, it. He's going to think about yeah. it. He's going to study on it. Hallelujah. So after we say goodbye to you, then we still we, studying on it. We study on it. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I I changed what I want to talk about today because um, I got studying on what we said about the glory. Now the glory of God, Gloria, the presence of God is dangerous. Mm-hmm. If you not destructive of evil, it's destructive of evil. And uh, that's what happened, you know, when that man reached out there and David wasn't bringing that yeah. Ark of the Covenant home right. He put it on a cart, you he know, modernizes. It. Oh, I got a better way. We're modern now. But God didn't tell him to do it. He said, this certain family is supposed to do it, Obed-Edom. And you carry it on poles. Well, no, they got a cart. And that ox stumbled. And so this Uzzah, he reached out to touch it, and he dies dead. Is God just mean? He's going to get Uzzah and kill him? No. It's the presence of God. And when power, it says in the Bible, our God is a consuming fire. What does he consume? Sin. Sin is not good, folks. It's not good to think about how much sin you can sin and get by with it. That's not, you should avoid sin at all costs. Because <laughs> it costs oh, you something. Oh, yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, it to go, and what life. is sin? It's transgression against God and against God's word and against God's way. So what happened when there's great glory and manifestation of the presence? That's why they had to be so careful. God, he'd walked with Adam every day. But no, he has to separate himself. And he comes back and he brings the glory back. And then they have to have this tabernacle. And it's got to have the courtyards. And it's got to have the Holy of Holies. Mm -hmm. And back there is the Shekinah glory over the mercy seat. You can't just run in there. You'd be dead. And the high priest only got to go once a year, and he had to have sewn around the bottom of his... Somebody told me, well, that's not in the Bible. Well, it's in history. And somebody it's, said, I don't know if it was Brother Hayden or Sue, uh, who said he had to go once a year with great precaution. Great precaution. Yeah. I mean, if I explain all the great precaution to you, you'd be surprised. And mm-hmm. it might even be X-rated here. But... Um, On the bottom of that uh, robe was a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate. They tied a rope around him because he went in there and they hear the tinkling of the bells, but they don't dare go past that curtain. They don't hear the bells tinkling anymore, and it's been a while. They think maybe he... They might have to drag him out of there (laughs) because he didn't take the precautions right. That's right. So, you know, I mean, the precaution for you and me is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. But... Uh, now, in the in the days of the early church, they had great glory. 
they had great manifestation of God's presence. If you even came within a shadow's length of Peter, you'd be healed. They bring people just just to get close to Peter. Well, it wasn't the shadow. It was the proximity of the glory. And that's what's going to happen when we have these great healing revivals and great miracles at the end. The glory is coming up in the church, the degree of glory. Glory is measurable. And uh, so praise the Lord. Um, In your own life, you're going to know Ananias and Sapphira. Peter said to them, I've just been reading this the other day. Peter said to them that that all the people were bringing their money for their uh, selling their properties and they were laying it all at the apostles' feet. Well, here comes, Anna, here comes Ananias and he said he sold his lot for, let's say, a thousand bucks. And here's a thousand bucks. But really, he sold it for two thousand. It's a very bad place to lie. Bad place to lie. And, he, mm. and Peter said, it was yours when you had it. You didn't have to sell That's it. Right. It was yours after you sold it. You could have come in here and told Peter, I, I, I'm giving you a thousand. I got a thousand in the bank. He wouldn't have died. But they lied. He lied to the Holy Ghost. Gloria, I was thinking about this the other day. I think it was um, USA Today. Mm-hmm. They did a poll on how many Americans lie oh. regularly. And it was huge. Missed huge percentage of Americans that lie every day and know they tell lies. Whoa. What percentage do you recall? I don't remember, but it was really high. That's and I awful. thought, now that's... That's something. And see, that lie came in there. And so that's one reason why we haven't had a great high degree of the glory of God, the presence of God in our churches, because it it brings judgment. And um, there'd be, frankly, quite a lot of people. That brings death sometimes. Brings death. Yeah. But it's going to come up. We're getting, we're running out of time. And uh, so the power of God's coming up. Now, we in the church, we've got one law. And that law is John 13. It tells us that you love one another as Amen. I have loved you. Yeah. That's right. So the law is the law of love. Now he equips you to walk this walk of love at your new birth. It is written in Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit, who's the spirit of glory, he sheds the love of God abroad in your spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. So all you have to do is walk with your spirit dominating you. That's right. And the love is in there. So uh, I'm going to teach you right now how to walk in love. Good. God loves us. We have to know. Uh, boy, Brother Copeland's doing some great teaching on the love of God and knowing God's love for you. A lot Praise of people God. don't know that God loves them. Right. And, uh, but love one another as I have loved you. So when I went to work for Kenneth E. Hagan, my husband and I, Kent and I, we, we were high school sweethearts. He was voted the most handsome, and he really was. I don't know if you know that I have pretty nice-looking children. Yes, you do. And uh, that's the reason why. And uh, here he is. This tall. He's dark and handsome. He's Native American. I like that look. Mm-hmm. My mother, she loved the blonde look, but I like the Native American look. <laughs> and here's Kent with these black hair and black eyes and sweet. I you loved him. Not only that, he's a football hero, all that, you know. Yeah. So uh, we got married, and we, we married young. 
And um, well, would you mind telling us how young that how was? How young I was. Uh, I got married a few days before my 18th birthday. Well, that's not too young. And Kent got married a few days before his eight, his 20th birthday. So um, we then we married, and, and we came from different backgrounds, kind of uh, middle-class American backgrounds, good families. His husband, his, his father and mother love each other. But my family was... We came up in church, you know, and uh, Kent didn't. Now, his uh, grandparents, back, there was quite a history, but, but his father and mother, his father got born again when Kent was 16 years old. So here am I, brought up in this denominational church, and my mother and daddy had me in the church every time the church door opened. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, spring revival, fall revival, mm-hmm. went to church camps. I was churchy, and, I, and it was good. I was brought up in the Baptist church, and, and I'm telling you, they taught me the Word of God. I learned the books of the Bible. I loved it. I loved church. I loved even training union, if any of you Baptists know about that. I even loved that. 6.30 on Sunday evenings. I loved it all. <laughs> so I'm married to Kent, and uh, he's a good man. His family's good. He loves me with all of his heart. Uh, but, you know, he'll go to church when he can. <laughs> if he misses, he's not feeling bad about it. But we did. We went to church most of the time. He, he went with me, and we had our babies and everything. And uh, tithing. Ooh, that was a biggie. I mean, to tell you, we had to tithe. I, my dad was the treasurer of the church, every church we ever went to. And, and, and in the Baptist church, we had those little envelopes. And even as a kid, dad would have me record the people's giving. So giving, that's big to me all my life. And tithing, I mean, I'd rather do anything than not tithe because you, ah, oh, not tithe. Can't we have to give 10%? What? 10% of my hard-earned money? Do you know how much that is, Billy? We got these kids, eventually four of them. We had four children. And the oldest was five and a half. And they would oh, ask us, yep, they said to Kent one time, are you a Catholic? And he said, no, we're passionate Baptists. <laughs> well, now that explains it. <laughs> yeah, that explains it right there. And uh, we were. We were very much always in love. And, um, but, you know, you have these things. And, and um, so I go to work for Kenneth E. Hagen. And I'm, his, I'm, go- I'm in charge of taking his teaching and putting it into print. That's me. I'm the editor. So uh, I would go to the seminar. that he, You remember how he had those seminars all the time? Oh, yes. We were there. So he had this time. seminar on how to walk in love. And so I'm going. I'm there with my little steno pad, you know. I'm going to make a teachings out of this, written. So we go, and he announces it, you know, how to walk in love. And I'm thinking, I'm pretty good on this. <laughs> I got this done. I got this. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I only just have to get it for other people. Yeah. So uh, he, he's, he's, he talks about love and how it's a law and how your faith works by love. And he said, now, here's how you walk in love. First off, you've got to be born again because we're talking about the God kind of love. The natural humans cannot do this kind of love. They just don't have it in them. They have natural human love, and that's not what we're talking about. And natural human love is selfish. And natural human love will say, like, mine are the best, no, no matter what. So uh, we're talking about the God kind of love. So then he says, he teaches us spirit, soul, and body, that you're a spirit, 
inner man, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, you live in a body. Now, he said, at your new birth, to, be, to, to walk in the love of God, like Jesus told you to, number one, you've got to be born again. Mm-hmm. And if you are born again, then this is true about you. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart, in your spirit, mm-hmm. by the Holy Ghost. Not your head, your heart, your inner man, your spirit. New birth, there it goes, it's in there. The love of God is in you. If you're born again, the love of God is in you to keep the law which says love everybody as he loved us. Praise the Lord. I know that. I know I'm born again. You got that done. I got that done. I had it done a long time since I was eight years old or seven. And then now the love of God is in me. Praise the Lord. Now he says, in order to walk in love, you have to know how love is to tell whether or not you're walking in love. And God told us in the Bible how love is, how it behaves. And he said the best place for you to look is 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified Bible. So step one, be born again. Step two, uh, know Romans 5, 5, that the love of God shed abroad in your heart. Step three, buy an Amplified Bible, you might say. Or borrow your friend's Amplified Bible. And write in it. Yeah. Well, here, what I, what I did, I've got a King James Bible with wide margin, and yes. I wrote in here what the Amplified says that love is. Uh-huh. And it starts out, love endures long and is patient and kind. And so Brother Hagin's teaching it, he said, love endures long. A lot of people do that, but they're not patient and kind about it. Mm-hmm. He said, that love endures long and might talk like this. You don't know how long I've been putting up with that old geezer. Mm-hmm. Or nobody ever does anything for mama, just me. I'm the only one that takes care of mama, you know? Yeah. Love is, but love, the love of God is kind. It's yes. kind about it. Mm-hmm. Love is patient and it's kind. And I thought, praise the Lord, that's me. I'm like that. Got that one. Got that one. <laughs> Love never is envious, never boils over with jealousy. And to tell you the real truth, all my life, I haven't had too much of a problem with envy and jealousy. I'll probably here and there, you know, along the way, but it hasn't been the big thing. But some people are just so jealous. One time I remember we were in a meeting and uh, there was Mark Brzee and his wife Janet was singing. And this woman came up one night, I taught on love. She said, I want you to pray for me. My husband's not born again. I want him to be saved, but I won't let him come to this meeting because that girl gets up and sings and she's so pretty. Oh, no. Yeah. That's pitiful. pitiful. Isn't that pitiful? <laughs> yeah. And so envy and jealousy, now if you you're envious jealous. and jealous, you are not walking in love mm-hmm. because it's, you're just not. Okay, I, I wasn't jealous. Praise the Lord. <laughs> love is not jealous, one, not boastful or vainglorious. At least I didn't think I was. Does not not display itself haughtily. And he would talk, Brother Hagin would talk on every one of these, which I haven't got time to do it on this program. I'd like to hear him, his... uh, It's in that book of his. He's got a book, Love the Something Kind of a Way. Okay. Love is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. So if someone's conceited and arrogant and inflated with pride, they're not walking in love. Pretty good on that one, too. 
Love is so not. Far you're doing well. So far, doing great. <laughs> Love is not rude, unmannerly. So my mother and father taught me not to be rude. You know. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. I'm pretty good about that even. You know, at that time, pretty good about it. Love is not self-seeking. Then Brother Hagin said, now here you're going to come to the thermometer. This is going to be the one right here that you judge if you're walking in love or not. Love is not touchy. Oh, yeah. Or fretful or resentful. It takes no account Pays no attention of a suffered wrong. It pays. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. What? You mean how could that be? (laughs) My beloved grandmother's touchy. I come from a long line of touchy people. You know, if somebody's mean and wrong and they do evil to us, we notice it. Not only that, we keep really good records says it takes no account. Oh, brother. I thought about it. This one got me. Did that sink your this ship? Sunk ship. <laughs> and Kent, you know, I always thought that these things that he did, I should got to straighten him out on that. Yeah. And one thing he never did, he never remembered my birthday. Well, my word. December 6th, like Ken's. He never remembered that. And all, I would get a stew going for two or three days ahead. And I would say... I don't think he loves me. Now, we had children. I remember the particular time that this happened. He had to climb up three stairs to our apartment. He'd come in every day. I had two kids in diapers. He'd get those diapers. He'd go to the laundromat. He'd wash them and bring them back home, and, and we would fold them. Now, that sounds pretty and good. It sounds like it? love, and every every dime of his money went to us. And as far as I know, he never there was never anything about jealousy or anything like that. But he didn't remember my birthday. Oh, wow. And I remember this one birthday. I got up in the morning. It was December 6th. I put his supper down. His breakfast. I didn't say anything. He comes in at noon. He was close enough to come. I put his food on the table, but I'm in the bedroom. I got all the blinds drawn. I'm crying. But he don't even come in there. (laughs) At night, he comes in and he says, there's no supper, no nothing. I've been crying all day. My eyes are just like this. He said, What's wrong with you? Is it your birthday or something? So, modern deals would say you should never... Who was wrong? It wasn't him, it was me. According to the Bible, I'm not supposed to know this is suffered wrong. No, no, not touching, fretful. Oh, I could tell you case after case, but we don't have time. Of me, of all that can. That's a break. (laughs) That's a break right there. (laughs) So, Brother Hagin said, if you've got some of this that bothers you, then you write it on three by five cards... And you post it around the place of attack. And then you say it because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So I knew what mine was. And I wrote on these little cards, love is not touchy or fretful or exemptful. Takes no account of the evil done to it. I put one inside the cabinet door. I put one in my office on the steno pad thing. I put one in my places of attack. So Kent might come in, let's say, and this did really happen. He came in one night and he said, oh, what do you got, soup? He goes over and takes some of the soup. He says, what you put in this soup anyway? I go open the cabinet door. I got my card there. <laughs> Love is not touching your fretful or exemptful. It pays no attention to the suffered wrong. Oh, such and such. He's. I wish you'd call mom, see what she puts in oh, her soup. Oh, boy, that did it. 
Go and get the cabinet door. Love's not touchy. Our frat father Sinfield takes no account of supper long. One night he comes in, and at this time I'm teaching um, Billy Joe Doherty's Bible school at night, his Bible college. And so I made chili. Now even Kent knows that my chili beats his mom's. So he comes in and got chili. Well, I made some cornbread, really nice cornbread with a dark, you know, mm-hmm. how you get it black all around in an iron skillet. He comes in, oh, chili, grades, cold night. Uh, where are the crackers? I said, honey, we don't have any crackers. I made you cornbread, hot cornbread right there. I don't know. I just don't feel like cornbread. I want crackers. Suddenly. Something happened. Something happened. <laughs> I went up on a little door. Love is not example. And I felt the love of God come up out of me. And it went like fire, lava through my arms, through my mouth. I looked at that man. I was overcome with a desire to get that man crackers. <laughs> I left out the door. He said, oh, by the way, we're out of coffee. He didn't know all this was going on. I drive to the local grocery store. They got big old butcher paper up there. Two items are given away almost free to get you in the door. Coffee and crackers. It's a sign. It's a sign. <laughs> but I learned how to get that love of God on the inside of me out. And you can do it too. Then you could be filled with the glory. Praise God. That is quite an exhortation, Lily. <laughs> Let's all remember that, girls. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember... Jesus is Lord.